Hello and welcome to the 84 Million Podcast. Uh, today we have as our guest, Mr. Ben McClausick. He's based in Oslo, Norway, and he's a co-founder of Locotech. Ben and his team are spearheading groundbreaking efforts to usher in the next generation of energy-efficient script or S-script ASIC technology. Uh, ben spoke at the 2022 Litecoin Summit and gave a presentation there. And you can find him on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ben Miklasek, which is also on the screen for our, our visual folks. Uh, so hi, Ben. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to have Pleasure. you. Glad to have you, sir. Uh, I know you've been disrupting the script, uh, like I said, S-script mining space with Locotech. Um, I'm a, somewhat aware of what you're doing. Uh, looking forward to learning about more uh, during this episode. Uh, specifically, I'm referring to your hash blade. Um, but before we dive into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background? Yeah, my background is actually like most crypto miners. You're not really educated in it. You just kind of hop in it and go from there. I'm uh, I'm originally from Indiana. Uh, I come from a you know, large farming community uh, in the rural part of the state. And I uh, actually went off and got my master's in Australia. And that's how I ended up in Norway because my wife is Norwegian and has either moved to you know, Indiana or moved to Norway. And I was like, well, it's cheaper to travel down south from Norway. So, you know, see Europe. So why not go there? So that's how I ended up uh, over in Norway. And actually, that's kind of why, you know, how I got into crypto too, meeting some other guys that were, uh, you know, mining in the industry and, um, you know, people that were, you know, really starting to, you know, pick it apart and get into it and look at it more of a business perspective of, you know, what's good, what's bad. And, uh, kind of basically how everybody gets into it. You know, you kind of just dip your toes in and then um, then you just jump full in. <laughs> Very interesting. Did you say Australia or Austria? Uh, Australia. So you were in Austra so we, uh, Australasia and then went to Northern Europe or Scandinavia. Correct. You've been around a little bit. Traveling is always worth it, if you ask me. So sounds like yes. you've done your you've done your fair share over the years. I, I had a friend um, from when I was in New Zealand uh, when I was younger. We had some friends from Norway, and they taught me a few phrases. I won't practice them here because it's been so long. Uh, <laughs> but, but I might be able to greet you in your home country should I ever get there. Uh, beautiful place. I'd love to visit uh, Norway one of these days. Although, what's your uh, time? What's your amount of daylight you're experiencing right now? I know Oslo's more south, but it's winter. Yeah. We're we're a little bit further south than uh, Oslo. I'm actually based in Drama, which is about a 30 minute train ride from uh, Oslo. But um, we usually get sun from, and it's just kind of like right at the horizon from like 11 to 1:30, two ish, and then it just kind of remains dusk and dawn for a lot longer. Yeah. So. Was that a pretty big But I mean, you go further north, you really, get, you really get nothing. I mean, there's, it, it gets pretty dark. Yeah, I can imagine. How was that adjustment initially for you versus Indiana? Well, you know, it was actually quite strange because, you know, I always looked into it. I was like, oh, winter sickness, I'm going to get this. I didn't get it for the first, like, two winters I was here. Mm -hmm. And then the third winter, oh, it was a doozy, man. It's almost like you have mono. Anybody's ever had that. And uh, you're just tired and just unmotivated all the time but after that hit me down that third winter basically they kind of have a rule of thumb here and they already eat a lot of fish which has a lot of vitamin d in it but every month with an r in it you take vitamin d every month that doesn't have an r in it you basically got some so and uh, you know we do a lot of hiking a lot of outdoor activities and stuff here so during the summer months you are always out in the sun yeah. but in uh 
you know, the winter, it's a little bit more of a difficulty to get out in the sun when there is no sun. Yeah. Well, vitamin D is a big deal. So that's a great thing. Most people are deficient. Um, but I digress. Interesting to hear a little bit, a bit about your story there. So you sort of said you kind of accidentally got into crypto and mining. That was my next question. Um, what attracted you to cryptocurrency then, or specifically Litecoin or Doge perhaps? Well, I mean, um, I kind of uh, stumbled into that just because one of the other co-founders was, you know, huge into, uh, into, you know, mining Litecoin and uh, Dogecoin. And uh, that's how I kind of stumbled into that. But I quickly realized that it was a better Bitcoin. I mean, it, you know, Bitcoin always has the first mover advantage, but that doesn't always mean that it's the best. And we can see in uh, recent performance of Litecoin that uh, I believe it's becoming more and more noticed. And um, and the reason I, I, I personally got into mining, just to go back a little, was, uh, I mean, I'm a pretty much a libertarian. I mean, I, I like accountability, uh, you know, self-preservation, let people do what they want to do and then not have one choice. You know, you, somebody wants to do something, let them do it. So that's kind of what really drew me into crypto because, it, you know, the whole, the whole culture around it is like that. You know, everybody just, you do whatever you, you do you and I'll do me. So, and then it creates a, a nice uh, basis of value for the different coins that, um, are, you know, created throughout the commu different communities and stuff. So. Yeah, I share that with you. And I, I'm hoping there's still um, those that love liberty in the space. I know there are, you know, we're not the last ones out there, right? But sometimes I feel like <laughs> that. Um, but several of our guests, I think we agree about the initial kind of philosophy behind all this uh, sort of thing, especially sound money. And sound money is an old idea. We just haven't had it in much of our history. So I think we get more of that with Litecoin and Bitcoin, although I do uh, agree that Litecoin with the MWeb uh, extension block extension uh, especially gives us kind of more of a fungible money, which which Bitcoin uh, has yet to accomplish on chain. Um, and that will only get better when convenience uh, gets better with MWeb. Yeah, and mobile wallets, et cetera, you know, more users. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, before we discuss how your technology is changing escrow mining. Um, I'm interested in kind of, again, I'm not a miner. I had Nate Poole on a previous episode. He shared a bit. I, you know, bird's eye view kind of get it, but I've never mined anything. Well, that's actually technically not true years ago, but for the most part, I have not mined anything. And if it was, it wasn't in the past six, seven years, or, and it was never anything seriously. Um, so I'm interested in kind of knowing what the space looks like now um, hash blade aside, what does it look like? Big miners to mine Litecoin or script. Um, what are the sort of capital barriers to entry? A new independent miner like me, if I wanted to just start mining tomorrow, what what would I have to overcome to enter the space and compete and actually get rewards? Yeah, well, it's a great question, actually. I mean, the biggest competitor for us is Bitman. I mean, they have the most efficient. Uh, ASIC on the market and what helps that is basically the vast amounts of capital that they're able to make it down to those and establish relationships, make it down to those lower nodes um, because they're on the seven nanometer. I don't know what gold shell is on, but they're, you know, their efficiency really isn't competitive in this uh, day and age with retail uh, pricing uh, per kilowatt hour. So, I mean, I would say I, I wouldn't want to knock them off because there are a lot of Dogecoin uh, minis out there that people have bought into 
and uh, they are profitable during the bull run. Actually, I believe they're even profitable now. I mean, script algo has seen a huge boost in uh, profitability, and I believe it's a coin. I don't know how long it'll last, but uh, it's a like bell coin mm-hmm. or whatever. I haven't really looked into it because it's only been the last few days, but our hash blade alone went from like making, you know, 380 a day gross to like 11 bucks. And I was like, what in the world is this? But then you looked at the market cap of that coin and it was like 13 million, $19 million. And I was like, I don't, I don't get it. But nice hash is taking advantage of that. And a lot of people are pointing their hash rate at uh, nice hash for that. Yeah. So, the, the but it's, uh, I mean, power efficiency is uh, basically the big thing. And, um, and that's, I mean, I don't want to, I'll just segue into the hash blade. Um, and I was actually just getting the most recent numbers on the break even per kilowatt hour. And this is what I want a lot of people to realize because they don't look at the power efficiency when they usually buy an ASIC. They just see the gross, but they don't uh, take into consideration a lot of the other costs associated with it, and the main one being power. Um, but our break even for power alone was like a dollar uh, per kilowatt hour. If you were running under a dollar per kilowatt hour, you're, you're making money. And I mean, the L7 was at like 18 cents. So we, um, you know, it's a huge advantage to the, the decentralization and being able to uh, attack the B2C market without having them have a bad experience. Yeah. Wow. What we're wanting to accomplish. That's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, I know when I was talking to Nate, he kind of ballparked in our current bull market, sorry, bear market. We're not in a bull. Maybe we're in a bull. Who knows? <laughs> I don't think we are yet. <laughs> a um, mini bull. Yeah, mini bull, pre-bull, whatever we call it. Either way, mining is a 24-7 operation. And, um, you know, whether it's a bull or a bear or whatever, um, if you're interested in mining, you have to deal with the costs. And um, so right now we're at more of a suppressed price of the coin. You know, interest is low. He mentioned something about twelve cents um, stateside, so under a dollar is a gigantic gap um, of yeah. profitability. I want to say I'm around nine cents in Central Texas um, per yeah. kilowatt hour, which is pretty good. Um, so that wow, that's that's I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean we're we're bringing quite efficient. Uh, technology to market and what a lot of people don't realize uh, still is we're on a 12 nanometer node i mean if we went down to the node bitman's on on the seven then you basically can double the hash rate and half the power consumption so instead of the competition having to either match us or beat us beat the 400 percent that we're currently doing i mean that's like a, a year turnaround that we could actually you know get into that lower efficiency but we don't see the need to go there and i Currently, I wouldn't want to fight for line space with larger companies and uh, just have the ability to have the line space that in Global Foundries in Malta, New York. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious if we could compare, and I don't know how much you can speak to this. I know we're here to talk about your organization. I'm interested in what you're doing to the space. But we have to recognize what exists. So like how yeah. many hash blades would I need to get to uh, be equivalent to the power of, for example, one L7 uh, Bitmain Antminer? Be about five hash blades. Five hash blades for the for the hash rate. On the if you match it on the power consumption, you're looking at like 23, 24 units, I believe. Okay, so 20, 23 or twenty four would be the same energy cost. Wow, that's that's, yeah. that's so. Somebody's if somebody's running like a L seven at home, if you were to replace that with our hash blades instead of having nine giga hash, you'd have I think about 46, 47 giga hash, roughly. Wow. Okay. 
Um, energy consumption, I know, has been the major point. We're already talking about that, uh, differing uh, the hash blade from the other miners. Um, well, and put it, putting it in a form factor that is not only affordable, but can retrofit into existing infrastructure. And also another point I like to bring about is, I mean, this is back to the libertarian views, is having that small platform, mm-hmm. uh, it really brings a, a, a very important um, thing going into the future, I believe, personally. But it's a, it's a form of uh, censorship-resistant mining. I mean, you can plug this hash blade in at home, put it in your PC. It's 145 watts. If the government tries banning it or tries getting rid of your hash blade, how are they going to know what house is mining? Mm-hmm. You know, but if you're running L7 and you're pulling, you know, 3,500 watts every hour, on the hour, all day, all year, they'll know exactly, you know, households don't use that much power. You know, so it's a, it's. I do like the fact that it is a, a form of censorship-resistant mining from the like political side of things, because you don't know. I, I would say that's part of the biggest worry our industry uh, has going forward is no regulation and politicians like Senator Warren just you know attacking it left and right. Yeah. No. Correct. Not a fan of that. I'm hoping she's not coming to Norway. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I don't think they'd let her in. <laughs> but she, of course, her speaking here uh, stateside, um, you know, we, the United States government, has quite a, a presence in the world and sets a lot of examples. So um, we haven't been the worst on the planet, but we also, as of late, certainly have not been the, the leading, <laughs> uh, you know, cause of freedom in the realm of cryptos. Um, so this administration's been a little bit uh, cold. I know the previous one was to a degree, at least in language. I mean, Trump said, oh, he, I forget a specific quote, but he wasn't a big fan of Bitcoin. I think he said he'd never use it or whatever. Um, however, the people he had in office were, were very supportive. Um, so you kind of had one part saying one thing and what were you actually doing? There was a little bit of a, a variance there, but it's kind of just chilly all, all over right now. Um, so, I think, I think his stance has had to change. If he's selling NFTs. <laughs> That's true, too. That's correct, too. So, again, what, what was he saying and what was he doing? Yes, <laughs> correct. Um, either way, we have to move from today to the future, and I hope it gets a brighter and freer, um, especially for proof of work. But, um, you know, it's, it's an open ecosystem, and I'm not a fan of, you know, however many thousands are out there for the most part, but, you know, I'm not prohibiting them either, right? Uh, more of the libertarian angle, you know, we choose, we make our decisions and the, and the best ones will lead. Uh, and I think that's already happening. But back to energy consumption, I think that's a neat point that you make because you said it was 140 watts. 145 watts. So that's like a handful of light bulbs, depending on the power. I mean, yeah, that's undetectable. So yeah, that's pretty incredible. In terms of me setting it up, um, if I were to buy a hash blade, could I just plug it into my PC? I'm thinking, yeah. What about a laptop or like a solid state? You could, like you could take a, a Raspberry Pi Zero. So, run it off that if you want with a PSU. So what's the... I mean, or you can get an external GPU case if you just have a laptop or you can throw it into an existing rig. So you can run this off of a Raspberry Pi? Yeah, basically, yeah. Is it a USB adapter? It'd be a, it'd be a little work, but we're actually, uh, we have plans on... Uh, basically, you know, streamlining that to allow people to do that. I'm, right. I, like, I'm excited about it because 
release I mean, something for another... that. I've got two of them oh, laying around doing nothing. <laughs> so because the, well, the controllers because the lightning node was just a, a kind of a headache. Um, so I just kind of, kind of have them doing nothing at the moment. But like I'm more, I mean, there's there's build it your own, you know, desktops which are you know open them up and everything's discussable. You got other little like tiny laptops that you know you, no one's going to open those up. So like, is no. this like a USB connect or like some sort of adapter to get? Yeah, the we do have a, a USB header on it. Uh, it will also communicate again across uh, PCIe, which is very important. A lot of people they really want Hive OS. I mean, they want Hive OS for all the rigs and stuff, but that's the benefit of ha not having a controller and having a you know communication across PCIe. You can just basically run an executable and you know go right into it. So it's uh it's it'll be fairly easy and streamlined setup. I mean, we're making it user friendly because I mean one of the big reasons we went uh, and I'll tell you why we went with the hash blade is Ethereum was going to proof of stake. We quickly realized that you're going to have a ton of infrastructure out there that's not going to be utilized for mining with GPUs. So we went ahead and started formulating uh, the plan for the hash blade. And we're like, this is a huge opportunity because people don't have to change out their power infrastructure. If you're running a bunch of GPU rigs, it is quite expensive to change that over to ASICs if, you if your power capacity is only there. You know, you're going to have to redo everything. But for the hash blade, you can literally just plug it in download the driver and, you know, get the mining. And uh, we see that as a huge benefit for like uh, B2B, but for B2C, it's even more important because going back to early days and what I think really shot Ethereum going in, you know, forward is going to proof of stake. The people that made them big were the small miners because typically the person with the, you know, smallest amount of money in is the largest horn on social media and gets the name out. We really would see that, you know, Allowing people to have a good experience by being able to buy, a, you know, a card that's going to maintain profitability through the highs and the lows of the industry, they're going to be excited. I mean, they're going to be going out. They're going to be telling people they're having a good experience. And, you know, you need to take a look at this. And I think it's going to be great for the community going forward when people actually have a good experience uh, with mining equipment, mining hardware specifically. Instead of buying a you know a, a brick from a shawl miner and trying to mine on residential power, you can't do it. Yeah, it's just an impossibility. Although that's where we started. You know, everybody was mining yeah. on their laptops. You know, back when these things were launched, uh, which is again, is that a, a, an impossibility? Basically, uh, for all intents and purposes, at this time, prior to Ashblade, you need an L7. In other yeah. words. Yeah, you basically need it. Well, you can have an L7, but I tell you the truth, all legacy hardware will be profitable during a bull market and or if you have free market or free uh, power, which a lot of areas do. I mean, I, I forgot which pub I was just reading, but their their average price per kilowatt hour is about two and a half cents. That's, you know, very beneficial when it comes to, uh, you know, um, BTC mining. But I just, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing these large actors um, realize that Litecoin is, you know, is, silver to bitcoin's gold and the same thing with you know doge being the bronze but um it'll be interesting to see how the market goes forward uh especially the way that we're wanting to um bring these hash blades to market you in a respectable and responsible manner i'm i'm guessing you initially seeing that you're, you're this is um something that's very easy to use very energy efficient People can start, you know, firing up miners at home through the hash blade, um, joining in whatever pool. By the way, do you have your own pool or are we joining other pools? Correct. We, 
We do have our own pool, and we're pretty open about us uh, self-mining. So we're going to be self-mining probably about 5 to 10%, and that will be all with the quality control units. So, you know, from each batch, we'll be randomly selecting cards, you know, and then putting them in our facility after they go through testing. And then that way, if somebody, because we'll have an advanced RMA program for returns, because typically in manufacturing, you have about a 2% return rate, uh, 2 to 3, I would say. But especially with our products, since there's not that many moving parts, and it's a very simple product to make. But we, other than the silicon, silicon was extremely hard. But uh, those units will come in, they'll be mining, and then if someone has a, uh, you know, a unit to return, and if there's something wrong with the batch, we'd know quite quickly since we have, you know, units from that batch that are mining. So, okay. so, so initially, this is kind of back to my initial statement. Um, interesting about your own pool, though. Um, you and Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be self-mining in our own pool. Self-mining like in we, our own pool. But we're not going to... We're not going to be pushing people towards our pool. Like, uh, I mean, we, I would never want to see a pool have more than 15%. Like I think 15% is max. Um, granted, depending on the voting rights and all that, stuff, it's, that's different, but, um, I definitely want diverse diversification of, you know, the pools. Okay. But you initially had the small miner in mind with hash. Yes. I mean, you're disrupting the space to allow the, the independent individuals to come in and, and kind of, do this from home again, um, kind of bringing us back to square one in a good way. And obviously this is going to add some pressure to the more, you know, the bit mains, et cetera. However, you know, what's going to stop a large mining farm from <laughs> buying a bunch of hash blades and running those? I mean, it's well, scalable as well. Yeah. Well, what we're wanting to do is, uh, since we're basically the, you know, the seller as well, I mean, we do have a few, uh, resellers that we're starting to onboard, but we actually don't want any one individual to get more than two megawatts. You know, like, uh, you know, if they say, oh, we need 10 megawatts. No, you can't have 10 megawatts. I mean, it's, I think I was just, I had it written down. because yeah. this How many units would up, that be? I think it was like, like to replace the whole entire hash rate with our hash blade, like 60 megawatts. Okay. And you're you know, not going to They're all running L7s. It was like a, a you know, 260 megawatts so you can't you can't put you know too much uh, hash rate into one person's hands and how many hash blades would um without me running the math hit that kind of uh, uh cap that you that you'll supply now that's i think it's about a it's about three hundred and sixty thousand hash blades that's a good amount of hash blades. Yeah, it's a decent amount. I'll but, tell you that. So you are, <laughs> it is a decent amount. However, you know, to, to farms, perhaps not so much. Um, so you do have some supply or order caps to kind of defend the smaller folks. Is that kind of yeah, the we'll idea? See. Yeah, I mean, this is, that's a perfect segue into what, how we're wanting to release this. So once we get up to, I'd say about 250,000, 300,000 units, we're really going to start actively monitoring the hash rate and what that means is we're literally going to be watching to see how profitable uh, our miner is throughout that because what's going to happen is you have all the legacy miners legacy hardware always falls off the you know uh, hashing first unless they got free power but we want to make sure that we can maintain a good amount of profitability for the end user and the best thing about it is is we'll be able to sell more batches 
as the value of Litecoin or Dogecoin or any other coin on this crypto algo goes up. So we we're, we want to be a good actor on that. And how we're doing that is we're actually going to have a live counter on Hashblades delivered, like on our website. Like once they start ship, oh, another thousand shipped out, another five thousand shipped out. Like so people can you know start to calculate. It's not what's plugged in, but people can start to calculate like what kind of hash rates you know or hash blades are coming online. So. There'll be another data point for people to recognize. And and when will you start shipping? Are you shipping now? Um, how oh, does the order the process even work? Next year. But orders are open now for anybody, or are you taking certain tranches of people that yeah, maybe no, we, signed uh, up? Or... MOQ is one unit, and um, then goes up from there. Anything over 128 units, uh, we have them reach out to us because then they can qualify for you know uh, pay like scheduled payments instead. So we don't like dry up their liquidity going into the halving for Bitcoin. Okay. So in terms of um, running the hash blade, you mentioned before there's a USB connect PCE port. Is it basically plug and play for the person interested in it? I mean, you mentioned the operating system. So tell us just kind of, you know, unbox it for us. What do we do? How long does it take to set something like this up? Well, basically, you're just, I mean, it's like any other miner. I mean, you'll, you'll make it discoverable on, uh, or you'll download the software, you know, from us, uh, you know, granted, if you're not running Hive OS. And once that takes place, you know, you basically can have the hash blade or hash blades. Uh, you're basically going to have your pool be added, your wallet added, and then you start hashing away. I mean, we had a bunch of YouTubers come out. And we connected to the pools in like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, just quite fast. And everybody was commenting on that because we actually have very good software uh, that allows us to do that. But one thing we did notice with uh, other competitors is that we, like they usually get it done and that's enough. So what we're doing is we're putting a lot of effort into making a seamless and a high quality uh, code going forward to be able to make it as seamless as possible for B2C because not everybody has been mining, but we, we want to streamline as, as much as possible. Even for NiceHash, like NiceHash will be sending out the documentation and a few of the, uh, like the engineering run hash blades to them so that they can go ahead and uh, basically make it even more seamless for people to plug and play. Very good. Very good. How did that go in DC, by the way? You had a handful of, like you said, YouTubers. Uh, I don't follow that content as much, but I did watch the video. So how did that kind of get arranged? Tell us about how it went in DC. Well, I mean, one thing we realized, because we've been, we haven't really been focusing on much marketing or anything. Like we've been focused on the tech and getting this, uh, you know, getting everything accomplished to where we can finally open, you know, pre-orders and have the confidence that this is coming to market. So after we got uh, everything validated, we had the USB being able to mine in the shop from and even being third-party validated. We were like, all right, now we can open pre-orders. And what we wanted to do is go ahead. I mean, we've had a lot of people catch up to us after the 2022 Litecoin conference. And they, uh, everyone started commenting. But one thing we really realized is there's a huge knowledge gap between the manufacturer because it's been quite opaque, you know, tell you the truth. I mean, Bitman doesn't come out and tell you what they're making or the issues that they're having or any of this stuff, you know, it's, you know, quite secretive or how many L7s have been sold. Like, but since we're a pubco in 
uh, Norway, I mean, anything good or bad, we have to release to the market. So we, um, once that point has came and we actually were able to open the pre-orders, I went ahead and reached out to all these YouTubers to kind of help fill in this knowledge gap and to show Silicon and talk about like how to bring a, a Silicon to market in a standardized method. And that's basically what we're doing. We have not rushed this process at all, which a lot of uh, companies typically do. And then it, it kind of faults and shows in their Silicon. But we're taking uh, taking our time to create not only an awesome script ASIC, but an awesome uh, like Edge AI inferencing ASIC as well. So. Noted, very good. Um, curious to talk about energy. Um, Nate, when he was on the show, um, again, he was our only other miner we had on the 84 million podcast. He talked about how mining can balance energy grids, for example. Um, he also talked, I mean, I just think there's a lot of benefit to proof of work, but I think we're in a realm of, uh, there's some government and probably to agree corporate propaganda against proof, proof of work as a giant waste of resources. Um, can you speak to that a little bit and see maybe how Hashblade uh, uh, interplays with this narrative or maybe helps offset that narrative? I would say that would be a terrible idea for our Hashblade. It's, it's too efficient and we can only basically centralize. I mean, you'd basically have to centralize a significant amount of hash rate in one location um, unless there was already something in place for, you know, government enrollment for decentralized grid balancing, which there are companies that are doing that with cars now that are plugged in. You basically get, you know, plug your car in every night and uh, if they need it, they'll go ahead and choose your car and you actually get money off your power. And uh, which is quite early stages, but I, I could see in the next five years that being a, a pretty large aspect for mining at home as well, because then um, you're decentralizing the grid balancing. But for ours, you, I mean, I don't think that any grid balancing would ever want like less than 10 megawatts, you know, for that to be a base load. So, I mean, um, so for our hash blade, I don't, I don't believe it would be good at all. I mean, but Bitcoin has so much hash rate and so much power consumption on it right now that it's a perfect, perfect example of what can be um, good and done with um, the hash rate and power consumption for the securing the network on Bitcoin. Yes, I agree that a single hash play will not rebalance the grid. However, <laughs> I think it was part of even the ones that are chewing up a lot of energy. There is a, a um, it can be said that they're actually providing, of course, a service to the network. Um, but also to their communities and local areas. Now you're kind of you're disrupting that entire thing. Um, so that's that's sort of fascinating. Uh, and you're on the other side of extreme efficiency, but you're still a miner. So I'm just saying mining is not the enemy of the earth. You're making it better. Yeah. Um, but mining in general, I think there's been a lot of attack on, you know, we need a, a cryptocurrency or a CBDC or whatever is yet to be released. Or they were talking about green Bitcoin a few years ago. And that's the opposite yeah. of fungibility too, right? You have Bitcoin and, and yeah. now green Bitcoin. That's another uh, distinction of types of the same product. But I'm just, there's a lot of narratives and you're, and you're actually, uh, or Locotech is doing great things on the efficiency side, which I think it should be very favorable uh, to kind of take some of that uh, taint away from the mining industry. But I just want to defend it uh, as a baseline. You always, you always you know. have it. I mean, these, the politicians have an agenda. I mean, it's, um, it's funny when they attack one industry, but they don't attack another. 
You know, I think in New York, they tried to say, oh, they have to prove that they're taking 100% green energy, but none of the government offices are running 100% on green energy or no other industry has to be running on green energy. It's, uh, I don't like that. It's not, it's not fair. And they are specifically attacking, you know, that is attack against our industry. I mean, even in Norway, which I would love to see someone argue that, you know, people are we're burning door, like bad in, I'm about to speak Norwegian. Um, they're, you know, burning dirty energy when we got like 99% hydropower. So every miner here is basically a green miner. And there are some decent like mining farms here in Norway. I wanted to talk to you about your region. So maybe we can go a little bit more with that. And I had thought that, again, I don't follow the energy policies, the, you know, the upgrades, your trends where you're living. I have to admit, you know, a lot of us in America get to be very closed. <laughs> we kind of look at our own, our own communities. And I think that's a good thing, you know, to be localist. But there's, people are doing different things in different parts of the world, right? And I'm curious of what the, the Norwegian government's position is uh, on crypto, on mining. Of course, I, I believe they've helped you uh, in, in, to some degree with funding, uh, if that's correct. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's more or for the R&D side. A grant so, I mean, or things we, like we, that? I mean, like any company, we need to apply for government grants. And Norway has a substantial amount of money that they uh, give away. Uh, in government grants and stuff. But I mean, we are a very wealthy nation. I mean, we got 5 million people. So I think it's a 1.5, $1.6 trillion trust fund. Uh, it's government done right, basically. Mm -hmm. And on the crypto side, I would say that they're, they're neutral. I think regulation will be coming, but they are, they're optimistic because of course, as a rich nation, you want industry to be here. And another good thing, as I just mentioned, is they, one of the, I mean, it's very like, common sense laws here. Like they can't treat one industry differently than another. So if they came, they, it would be illegal for them to come out and say, Oh, you got to do this without putting it on any other industry, you know? So, and that's like what happened in New York couldn't happen here. So, um, I am a big fan of that. And, uh, and coming from a small country too, it does help because, you know, stuff just a lot more easier to, you know, talk and move things and not as much bureaucracy. But it's a, I like it. It's a it's a great country. Other than having dark, being dark all the time right now, it's a it's a good country. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's nice to know. There and again, it's not like you're funded by the government, but I'm saying there's grants, and you were able to apply for grants yeah. and get some money, and that they're supporting even crypto. Um, are you a startup technically? I mean, I don't know how long Loco Tech's been around. Can I use that language? Yeah, I would say we are kind of a glorified startup. I mean, they um, everybody in Norway wants to be listed. So that's how we became listed on the secondary market because everybody likes liquidity in their shares. Mm -hmm. But we uh, we started this in 2019. That's when we made the, actually the big breakthrough uh, for the efficiency. Okay. We uh, it took about a year to raise the $13.5 million uh, needed to bring this to fruition. And I mean, halfway through, we actually had to redesign the ASIC because it wasn't dense enough. It would have been great for self-mining, but it would have been terrible for the industry because we all would have known what happened to Litecoin or Dogecoin if one you know, large actor just started self-mining. So we went back to the drawing board, made our, the wafer more dense, and uh, now we're able to you know, have a dense enough wafer to be able to resell it and you know, hold units back through the quality control to self-mine and kind of have a better experience for the industry at large so but we i would say i mean 
No, we will be bringing the product to uh, fruition. I mean, tape outs in Q2 this next year. And after validating our tech, I mean, it's basically 255 uh, tile ones and one tile zero, which is our compute tile, which that's actually another thing I, I wouldn't mind talking about. But that's a, it's a microcontroller that's on board each ASIC. It allows for a more convenient uh, run of your hardware. And basically, uh, simply put, if your, your ASIC's not mining, it's not you know burning power. So all the way down to the tile. So you got 255 tiles. If say five of them go down, I'll turn it off. If you got a raceway in the ASIC go down, I'll turn off a quarter of the chip. If you got a full you know silicon fa uh, failure, it just reroutes the power to the next chip. So, I mean, instead you don't you don't have any downtime for you know having to oh we got the daisy chain lottery the first chip went out and it took out the next ten you know we uh, you don't have that issue so you don't have any downtime and you don't have any waste power so people can literally just let it sit and run longer and let the uh, board uh, you know basically calibrate itself for you. Wow, it's pretty exciting. Um, I know you probably I mean. That's your own information orders, but I know you've been making announcements and had some uh, specials recently, I think with Black Friday and kind of shaved a, yeah. shaved a few percentage points off the units. I, I think there's a lot of anticipation to see how this this plays out. Um, I will link that DC um, show down in the notes or you're, you're meeting up with the miners in DC just for people to review there as well. Maybe some of the other videos uh, from YouTube. Um, just to hear miners speaking more about what they've experienced so far with them testing out your your uh, hash blade. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a good you know, pulse on the industry with the YouTubers because they really are, you know, the like more advanced home miner. I mean, and plus they're, they're dabbling in everything. So they, mm -hmm. they know, you know a little about a lot, which is very good. I mean, I, and I do like that aspect because a lot of people don't have the time, you know, with work, family, you know, other events going along in the life, you know, they can basically get it, plug it in. And they want to forget about it and just be able to talk about it. And um, I think those YouTubers really do bring like a good educational um, aspect to our industry on so a smaller too. scale. Yeah, I think so too. And they've got a lot of eyes on it. It's very palatable, um, you know. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll put a th few of them down in the show notes. Um, I'll see if you have any specific you'd like after we're done here. Um, but obviously the dust is not even settled on Hashblade. This is a long time coming. That we're going to be rolling out the next year. However, I have to ask, is there anything else on the horizon beyond Hashblade that you might be looking at developing? I would say, I mean, first and foremost, we want to bring this Hashblade to market. And then, you know, a lot of people will really start taking us serious then. I mean, especially when we release what we want to do with, the, you know, any other ASIC out there. Um, but I would say, I mean, we do have plans for small USB miner. You know, I have like eight to 10 ASICs on it. Um, have a uh, we want to do retrofitting hash blades into like the old l3 plus l3 plus plus because you can get four hash blades into those and then even the s9s because there's a lot of legacy infrastructure people wait around for the bull markets to turn these on but instead you can just buy the hash blade you already have a controller so you can just you know take the flat cables plug them in and now you have a script asic miner so we um and there's a lot of farms that uh, have been interested in that kind of product as well we uh we'll probably be doing something like that in the, the spring after but we needed uh more like information on uh, what kind of hash rate will each of those uh have because you have different real estate for the size of the pcba board 
Very good. Where do people find you? Where do people, where should we be following on social apps? How are we ordering these things if we're interested? Oh, you can go to localtech.com, L-O-K-O-T-E-C-H.com. Um, and you can reach out over sales uh, channel there. You can uh, reach me on Twitter at, uh, at Ben McClausick and, uh, and or our you know, company Twitter handle as well. We're not too active on the other social uh, right now just because I mean, we are a small company, but it's, uh, it'll be scaling uh, quite quickly coming up, I believe. Very good. Very good. Well, again, we're glad to have you. I think you've, you've uh, shared a lot of great things here. I'm excited to have someone like you here on the platform just to share what's going on in the mining space and how are you changing it and how are things getting better? I think you're, you're moving us into a new direction in, in terms of uh, energy efficiency that we have not seen or really prioritized, to be fair. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, any final thoughts you have for us? I mean, other than listen to the last few of your podcasts inspired me to spin up a few more nodes because there's so little of them. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it crazy? Yeah, I know. We're under a thousand per the report. Um, so yes, everyone run a node, run a yeah, node. I think when I, I, I popped mine on, it was like 914 or something. For yeah. Litecoin. And the, I set up a Dogecoin one as well. Another yeah. one. So very good. Very good. Run a node folks. Follow Ben, uh, check out Locotech. Um, if you are interested in mining, I think it sounds uh, like he's got something you might be interested in. Um, I think the whole idea of further decentralizing mining sounds like a, a great idea. I think it's it's very much in line, like we said, with the early libertarian decentralized. Anyone can participate in this. Of course, we can participate with nodes and validations, right? But to actually participate in mining from your home. Um, so obviously the units are not cheap. So there's going to be an, an initial capital investment for you to get involved in however many uh, hash blades you want. But you know, that's proof of work. You invest to get the results. So that's part of the market and everything too. We're all, we're all for that. So anyway, Ben, it's been a pleasure to have you. I wish you the best with Locotech. Um, hopefully we'll get some updates maybe next year from you as more of this stuff starts to roll out and maybe see how it's going. So uh, yeah. but anyway, we'll, we'll leave it at that. All right. Well, hey, thanks for having me, man. It's been a great time speaking with you. Well, very good. It's been a pleasure having you again. Follow Ben Miklasek on X. Check out Locotech. Uh, everybody, we appreciate you for tuning in today and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.